That song is, uh, is I think, incredibly appropriate today for us uh, as a church and for us as United Methodist. Um, uh, some of you uh, didn't come from a United Methodist background, and this is this is this is uh, this United Methodist thing is new to you. And I praise God that you're uh, with us and, and, and in our midst, and we're able to to worship God together uh, and glorify Him through the work and ministry that we share. And uh, for those of you that 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 uh, are uh, historically United Methodist, or for those of you that have seen something in the media, I feel uh, the, the uh, the desire to share with you a word, uh, beginning with a word of appreciation. Um, I invited you all to be praying for, for me and for the United Methodist Church and for all the delegates that went uh, to our special called session of General Conference in St. Louis this last week. And uh, the General Conference met from Saturday to Tuesday, and, uh, and it, it was uh, a unique conference because we normally meet once every four years, but this was an interim conference called specifically uh, to the charge and the task of discerning uh, God's word and discerning God's movement and discerning God's will for the church with regard to uh, to issues of human sexuality, and these are issues that we as the church have uh, have have been uh, considering and debating and studying together uh, uh, for centuries, but particularly the United Methodist Church since 1972, and so this was a focused time spent. Uh, and consideration and deliberation, and I want you to know that I appreciate your prayers, your prayers for me, your prayers for the delegates, your prayers for the church, uh, and it was a powerful witness to know that we gathered with, with saints from around the world, uh, uh, the, the 12.7 million uh, Methodists from around the globe represented uh, in St. Louis. I want you to know that... Um, uh, that, that your prayers were, were powerfully uh, uh, answered. Particularly, I want to lift up uh, uh, Saturday and Sunday before you and let you know that uh, while we gathered on those first two days of conferencing, uh, uh, it was a time of worship. It was a time, a time of prayer. I actually had to repent because uh, I thought, man, we got four days. We need to get to work. Uh, we got a lot to get done. Uh, but the conference was called into a time of prayer and a time of praise, a time of worship. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it was powerful, and uh, so I give God praise for that. Um, uh, if, if you've read in the papers or, or you've paid attention, uh, you, you've heard that the outcome was the United Methodist Church continued in, uh, in its, uh, its stance and its, uh, its theology and vision of doctrine uh, with regard to human sexuality, both uh, with restrictions on ordination for practicing homosexuals and restriction on uh, the church or with regard to uh, consecrating uh, gay marriage. Uh, so those two things uh, uh, held within our doctrine. But when I hear this song and it says, this is how I fight my battles, uh, it, 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 it changes the, the construct, the vision of, of what, a, what a battle looks like. And I, and I, and I want you to know that, um, that, that this conferencing uh, time was not a time uh, of winners and of losers because pain uh, was felt uh, across the whole, um, uh, no matter the, the hope, the vision, or the direction uh, that, that one entered into the space desiring with regard to the theology, everybody felt pain. And, uh, and in that, uh, 
there is no, there is no gloating, there is no uh, winner, there is uh, no loser. Uh, but there is a, a deep felt desire for a new form of unity to be born from the work that we did. Uh, that is my prayer and the prayer I invite you into uh, if the Spirit moves you to do so is to be praying for how God could lead us forward into new forms of unity, into fidelity to our, our mission and ministry together. Uh, we are called as a Methodist church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And, uh, and I'm committed at Covenant to be about that here in our community, uh, that, that more and more would be connected to the life-giving grace and love of Jesus Christ. I hope you'll join with me in that commitment here at Covenant. But my prayer for the global church is that we will, uh, we will find ways to be better, uh, to have this conversation better, uh, to find unity in forms and fashions that we haven't yet imagined uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the furtherment of his gospel. Because uh, that's what we're all about, the good news of Jesus Christ, grace for the world. Um, it's a different kind of battle. In fact, I would even say it's not a battle at all but it's a holy space of discernment and work that we do together. And I'm thankful that we get to do that together here in this space. I want you to know that if you have uh, any interest in uh, engaging this conversation further, I'm available. I'm open to doing that. Uh, it's something that I don't address on Sunday mornings because that is a didactic forum where I, I teach without opportunity for response. And I, I want you to have the opportunity to respond to engage me, to ask the hard questions and share the hard stories. Uh, and, and that is where uh, I, I prefer uh, to lean into this conversation. So if you have more questions, if you want uh, to enter that conversation, I'm available. I hope you'll reach out. All right. So God's word for today. Um, Jeremiah 52. And then we're going to flip over to Daniel chapter 1, and then Daniel chapter 6, all Old Testament today. Um, and uh, for those of you that have been around the last, last weeks, this is our fourth week looking at Jeremiah, looking at his call, uh, at how he was prepared to receive a call, looking at how he received his call, then looking at uh, how he followed through with his call, and then today we're looking at the fruit of his call, how, we, uh, how we're able to see the harvest that God was able to reap through the work uh, that he did proclaiming on behalf of the Lord. So beginning in Jeremiah 52, uh, we're going to begin in verse 1 and then following. Uh, uh, and I hope that if you have your Bible, you'll follow along with me there. The words will be on the screen as well, so we together can hear the word of the Lord. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign uh, as king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, just as Jehoiakim had done. Indeed, Jerusalem and Judah so angered the Lord that he expelled them from his presence. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, and in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came with all his army against Jerusalem. They laid siege to it. They built siege works against it all around. So the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month of the famine, uh, the famine became so severe that the city in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. 
Then a breach was made in the city wall, and all the soldiers fled and went out from the city by night, by the way of the gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, though the Chaldeans uh, were all around the city. They went in the direction of Arabah, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overthrew Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered, deserting him. Then we flip over to, uh, to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read uh, the beginning of uh, the prophetic work of Daniel. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the Lord uh, let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power as well as some of the vessels of, his house of, uh, of the house of God. These he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. Then the king commanded his palace master Ash, Ashpenaz to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of, and of the nobility, young men without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve the king's palace. They were to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans the king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years so that at the end of that time they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah. And then flipping over for the last uh, scripture this morning, Daniel chapter 6, uh, we continue uh, hearing the word of the Lord. Do we have that slide? There we go, beginning in verse 19. Then at the break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up from the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and its hearing. Let's give thanks, Lord God Almighty. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come before you uh, with praise and thanksgiving uh, for what it means to follow you, uh, to live into your call, and to serve you. Lord, um, in this space, in this time, we ask that you would make yourself uh, known to us. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word. Your will open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would serve you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So when we began all of this together, uh, we heard that the, the word of the Lord God Almighty was in Daniel's mouth. Literally, that, that, that God had reached out and touched Daniel and placed his words in him. And that he would then be a spokesperson for God. That, that over and over again, as a prophet of God, he would speak on behalf of the Lord. And so uh, we, we heard him follow through with that uh, and, and that, that he lived into his call, speaking hard words, difficult words to, uh, to sources of power, to kings, uh, both, both in his own nation and kings abroad. He spoke uh, to, to kings of Egypt. He spoke to kings of Babylon. And, and then uh, he, he, he even spoke words of truth and power uh, to his own people, inviting them into a new way. In, in Jeremiah 6, verse 16, uh, we get uh, a, a word from, from Jeremiah to the people. He says, thus says the Lord, see the word of the Lord in his mouth, thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find, your rest, for, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. You see, uh, Jeremiah is inviting them into a new way, inviting them to walk as God has called them to walk, inviting them into ancient paths, these things that, 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 uh, that had been established from years of old, and, and they didn't want to walk in the way of the Lord, even though he faithfully invited them, he called and so by the time we get to Zedekiah uh, and, and we hear uh, what is upon the people of God, we, we hear in 2 Chronicles 32, first in verse 12 and then in verse 16, that the word of the Lord is being rejected by God's people, that, that they don't want to listen to what Jeremiah has to say. And so in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 12, it says this. It says, if we have it, there we go. He did what was evil. Yeah, uh, so this is Zedekiah. Zedekiah said, uh, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. He did not humble himself before the prophet Jeremiah, who spoke the, from the mouth of the Lord. You see, God gave Jeremiah a word. Jeremiah offered that word to the kings and to the powers that be. And, and then Zedekiah received that word, but it said quite clearly that he rejected that word from Jeremiah. It even says further that it wasn't just Jeremiah that was being rejected, but all the prophets. In verse 16, it says this. It says, But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord against his people became so great that there was no remedy. So they, they didn't just uh, hear the word and reject it. They even mocked it outright. So I want you to go into Jeremiah's place for a moment. I want you to imagine yourself in that position of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who God had called uh, to speak his word, who, who received that word in his very mouth and proclaimed only as the Lord had told him to proclaim. And, and then you're thinking, as, as if you were Jeremiah, that, that God has called me to this, that God will bring it to fruition, that God has called me to this, so a great harvest will be reaped through the work that is done in me. And yet, what we find is that no harvest was there. The people rejected the words of Jeremiah. The kings rejected the words of Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah was so rejected that he was mocked, scoffed, and scorned by his king. Where 
aware is the harvest. Right? I mean, if I've been telling you over the last few weeks that, that, that God is calling you, that God is inviting you uh, to work uh, towards the call to which each of you have been called, uh, that, that God has a specific purpose for your lives. And, 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 if, and if you receive that and you've been praying over that and you've been discerning, maybe even if God has been speaking clearly that you are to be about something, if you enter into that work, would you not expect a harvest? Of course. Would you not expect fruit to come if you were following the will of the Lord? And so here Jeremiah speaks, follows, responds, and receives no harvest. So as Jeremiah prophesied, the, the, the Babylonians invaded, uh, the Babylonians deported. Uh, in fact, even later, the Babylonians uh, laid Jerusalem under siege and burnt the city to the ground. And Jerusalem, God's holy city, burned. And there's Jeremiah Mourning, his city burning because no one would listen to what the Lord had proclaimed. And so the story continues. And it's a story that, 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 that in Scripture, unless we're reading it in, 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 in whole, unless we're, unless we're following the years and the trajectory, the chronology, we probably don't see or witness that, that this is a united text, a complementary text. So we skip over to, to Daniel. And when, whenever we skip over to Daniel, uh, we're studying Daniel and we're uh, hearing echoes of our childhood in our ears. Amen? Like Daniel in the lion's den and and this is where snuggly little uh, little stuffed animal uh, lion comes in, right? You know, like the, the, the lion that, that you had in your bed that you slept with at night, not the lion that would eat you uh, if the lion was actually near you. Uh, why? Anyway, uh, we teach our kids the funniest things. Um, but, uh, so we have Daniel in the lion's den. And you've heard this story before. Uh, Daniel is faithful to the Lord. Daniel, even in exile in Babylon, is responding to the clear word of God, responding to the prophetic message of Jeremiah that he heard in Jerusalem before he was deported. And then there in that space in Babylon, he's living out his faith according to the very word and will of God as was proclaimed by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the prophet of the land that taught Daniel what it was to follow God. And so even though there was no harvest in the land, even though Babylon invaded the nation of Israel, even though Babylon burned Jerusalem to the ground, a harvest was still made possible. You see, Daniel would not relent, would not give up his faith. He followed God faithfully, even into the lion's den, and the Lord God Almighty 
shut the lion's mouth as a response to Daniel's faithfulness. All a product of the harvest that began with Jeremiah. You know, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to do the will of the Lord, to follow the call of the Lord, and to not see the harvest. You know, we, we, we like immediate gratification, right? We want something now. If we want it, we go buy it, we enjoy it, and we say, ha, got it, right? This is how we function. Is that just me? No, that, okay, all right, so, so some of us, some of us want it now uh, and, and get it when we want it. And so in, in that sort of a space, the harvest is invited to have a bigger, broader picture and understanding. So that it's not just something that we get now, but God can be at work through our call and our response to God's call far beyond the years that we see before us. Maybe even beyond uh, our, our own witness. Maybe it's something that we never see at all. But God is still working to bear fruit through the harvest. You see, uh, I, I think that it's helpful for us to, to think in these agricultural terms for this section because each crop has a harvest in its due season. You know this, right? So, so, so we in American uh, culture with Thanksgiving in November think uh, in, in uh, non-agricultural terms because we live in the suburbs and we go to HEB and the harvest is brought to us in the bounty of our fruit and vegetable section of HEB. Uh, not all of the you know, canned goods section uh, where, where it's preserved uh, for years and years and years before it's sold to us. Um, but... But the harvest is there, and we don't really correlate that each crop has its own harvest season until we see the price of blueberries. Right? You follow me? Like sometimes they'll sell blueberries for 97 cents for a pint, and then that same pint can cost $5 when it's not harvest season. You know what I'm talking about? You've done this, right? I, I, that's Sam's favorite fruit, so we're stuck buying it for $5 in uh, non-harvest season. Did you know that each crop has its due season? Wheat is typically harvested in June. Soybean typically harvested in August. And then there's coffee. Coffee is harvested in different times of the year depending upon where it's grown. Coffee is harvested either in March, in June, or December depending upon which hemisphere and which continent. Right? So each crop has its own harvest in its own season. A few years back, whenever I was uh, uh, a little bit younger in my ministry, uh, and uh, uh, there, there was a gentleman that came to be a part of the church, and uh, he, he uh, dove right in, and while I'm preaching, uh, I, I have the privilege of, of, of being able to, to connect with different folks as I'm preaching. And one Sunday, I noticed uh, that as I was preaching, this gentleman uh, was brought to tears, and, and he uh, began to weep. So I connected with him when we, we had coffee, and, uh, and he shared with me, he said, uh, he said, when I grew up, uh, my folks brought me to church, and I hadn't been to church in over 20 years. Um, and, and I, I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if I would actually 
say that I was a Christian, uh, but something new is happening in my life. I'm experiencing uh, the grace of God in ways I've never done before. Then he began to confess to me. He said, uh, my marriage is in shambles. Uh, I've committed many grave sins. Uh, I'm broken in ways today that I never even knew were possible. And then I came to church. And I was met with grace that I could not earn and I did not deserve. I wonder if this is the time for me. So we prayed together and we talked about what God was doing in his life. And he said, maybe there are others like me that have to hit a bottom of sorts that they can't imagine before they are ready. You see, he was a part of a harvest that was uniquely his in that due season. And you know, each, each harvest has to come in in due time. You can't just, just say uh, that because I planted this time or because this harvest is, is, is reaped in this season that that's the day you do it. You see, whenever you harvest wheat, uh, there's a process uh, that you look at. Wheat is, uh, is harvested about four months after it is planted, but it depends on the rain, it depends on the heat, it depends on the sun, it depends on the, 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 the ground. And so you, you have a different uh, pace for each. And so with, with wheat, what you do is you watch the harvest until uh, it shows signs that it's ready. It turns all golden yellow. You know that vision when you're driving across the country and you see the golden yellow harvest of wheat? Uh, and then they look to see that there's no green left. Because if there's green left, it's not ready. So it has to be golden yellow and then it's green. But even, even after you have those visible signs, there's, there's something that's ready on the inside that otherwise you wouldn't see. So the farmer has to go and break off uh, the the. Uh, break off the, the seed head and they break off the seed head and then they take the seed head and they rub it in their hands to expose to expose the grain on the inside and then once that thing on the inside is exposed they actually have to bite it to see if that grain is hard You see, there's so much on the outside that we look for. We look for readiness, we look for harvest, we look for evidence, and all of these outward invisible signs. But so often, it's this inward and spiritual grace that has to be, uh, that has to be felt in, in the depths of one's soul uh, in ways that, that we can't see, but God sees. In ways that we can't orchestrate, but God can orchestrate. In ways that, that, we, can't, that we can't determine, but God is calling forth into being. And so we ask, we ask 
that that harvest would be made available in due season. Brothers and sisters, I do believe that we have been called to this season. I believe you have a very particular call upon your life. Each and every one of you, unique in its own way. You might have received that call many years ago. You might be receiving that call this morning. You might receive that call in the years to come. But whenever you do, don't give up on that call because you don't see an immediate harvest. God will raise up a bountiful harvest through your faithfulness to that call in due season. What God has begun in you, He will fulfill in mighty and powerful ways. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, uh, expose, expose us, expose our soul before you so that you might uh, determine our readiness. Lord, if it is if it is that time, that season for harvest, Lord, we ask that you would uh, receive, uh, receive our hearts, uh, receive our surrender so that we might uh, experience the profound love and gift of your grace. Lord, we ask that you would uh, move powerfully in our midst, that we would receive a bountiful harvest uh, for, for your kingdom's sake, uh, for your gospel's sake, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we, we ask that you would uh, be present with us in this time of holy offering, Lord, that as we uh, enter into it and we offer a portion of what you have gifted us with it, that you would be blessed, that you would be glorified, that all that is done in this space and this time uh, would be glor- bring glory to your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.